Hello listeners, my name is Dean Putong and I'm a rising senior at Yale University studying both history and political science. I'm back in my hometown here in Benicia this summer working as an intern for the Benicia Historical Museum at the Camel Barns. This is one of a podcast series titled The Benicia Historical Museum COVID Quarantine Camelcast, providing a camel's eye view of Benicia's unique history. I'm joined today by Elizabeth Duarte, the executive director here at the Benicia Historical Museum, who is helping me to explore today's topic, why are there no camels at the camel barns? So, Ms. Duarte, how are, how are you today? I'm fantastic, Dean. Thank you so much. And I'm so pleased that you're here to talk about why there are no camels at the camel barns. Well, thank you so much for being here, too. I found my passion for history when I was very young, and museums, including this one, played a vital role in that. My passion for this subject is undoubtedly the reason I've gone to where I am today. Well, I would say that I found my passion for history when I moved to London. Exploring the, the history of England and the rest of Europe prompted a newfound interest in American history on my return to the States. So I guess you and I have a lot in common. <laughs> well, I believe learning about history is vital for society today. With the crises we're currently experiencing, the past does give us context and references we can draw upon to find new solutions. Uh, so for, t- for today's podcast, our first podcast, I want to focus on our history, the history of Benicia, and, and in particular, where we are today in the Camel Barns. So I'd like to start with the namesake of this museum, the camels and their significance here in Benicia. Well, actually, um, the museum's name is the Benicia Historical Museum at the Camel Barns. Um, and as you undoubtedly know, it's known locally as the Camel Barn Museum. But camels aren't originally from California, right? They weren't here when Europeans first made contact with the Americas? Um, No, absolutely not. Um, But interesting factoid, camels actually originated in North America some 45 million years ago. And then between 3 and 5 million years ago, they crossed the Bering Land Bridge uh, to Alaska. And then, of course ended up in Asia and Africa. And then naturally, as um, the eons passed, um, that bridge disappeared and camels disappeared from North America. That's interesting, actually. I think I remember reading that llamas and alpacas in South America are related to camels. So it's interesting that while the camels and horses may have died out, their relatives lived. But I also know that The European use of horses was extremely vital to their success here in America, in the Americas in general. Absolutely true. Um, And another thing that I wanted to mention about um, the camels is that they have found camel remains in Alaska, and the camels were at least 30% larger than they are today. So in, in effect, they were the dinosaur edition of the camels that we know today. Speaking of camels, why, why not just use horses? They're both pack animals. They both are used to transport people on their backs. Why not just use the horses as most cultures around the world do? Well, up until well, after the Europeans brought horses to America, North America, and up until um, the United States decided that they needed to um, find a pack animal that could better transverse what they thought of as just a huge American desert, 
it was decided that the camel would be the natural pack animal. And the reason for this is because the camel has some characteristics that other mammals simply do not have. They have wide feet that actually expand as they, as they walk. When they put their foot down, it allows them to not to sink into the sand. They have a double row of long eyelashes to keep the sand out. They have thin nostrils and um, they can close their nostrils at will to keep the sand out. They have, of course, the hump. The hump does not store water. The hump is simply uh, a large, basically fleshy portion of, of the body that is fat. And so they call on that. They can go for five to seven days without eating or without drinking. And they have a large intestine that absorbs water from everything that they eat. I mean, I could go on and on about the camel because honestly, you couldn't come up with a better <laughs> committee drafted mammal to, to cross the desert or indeed to survive well in a very cold climate as obviously it was in the Arctic. So I imagine this was not particularly useful on the East Coast. I can't imagine seeing a camel at Yale and I can't imagine George Washington crossing the Delaware on a camel. <laughs> well, had they done so, they could have probably carried a lot more equipment. Camels can carry up to 600 pounds, no problem. And, of course, they can eat anything because they have thick lips, so they would have been able to survive on just about any terrain in terms of um, the things that they're able to digest. But you're right. You don't often see camels or the, the history of camels as pack animals or pleasure recreational mammal like horses and mules and donkeys. So from what I know, the cam these camels, although not as particularly practical as the horse, they were extremely resilient and useful in the expansion west for America, the Great Plains and the deserts of the southwest in particular. Absolutely, which is why Jefferson Davis, who was the Secretary of War in 1853, during a time of American expansionism and desire to basically follow up on the concept of manifest destiny moving westward, they decided that the best way to traverse the Mojave Desert and other desert-like terrain was to get a plentiful supply of camels. And to that end, uh, there was an 1855 congressional appropriation of $30,000 to outfit the USS supply ship, which then went to Algeria, Tunisia, Egypt, Turkey, Malta, and Greece. And they brought back 33 animals. Some of them Bactrian, those are two humped camels. Some of them dromedaries, one hump camels. Story goes that the traders in these countries saw these camel-naive folk coming and sold them the worst possible representation of camels. There was another trip then, another expedition, again with the USS supply ship. They went back and they brought more camels back to Indianola, Texas. Altogether, they had approximately 70 camels. That's, that's amazing. So they found these camels in North Africa, in the Middle East, in Central Asia. Do, do these two types of camels you mentioned, the dromedary and Bactrian camels, have any differences in particular besides the hump? Well, the Bactrian camel is a, a lot shorter. And actually, it's more prevalent in colder climates. I mean, for example, 
in China, Tibet, etc., that is the more common camel. So these camels, from what I've read, this experiment called the Camel Corps, funded by Jefferson Davis through his lobbying, was initially very successful. It was prior to the Civil War. Then Officer Robert E. Lee actually ordered their mission and was impressed by their endurance and docility and sagacity. These camels proved to be very intelligent, very durable in the desert, and uh, survived longer than the horses did, actually. So why, why do you think camels didn't replace, ultimately, other pack animals in America's military? That's a good question, and actually there have been a variety of answers. Firstly, and probably the most important reason, is simply because the camels that were brought originally over to the United States before actually breeding whilst they were here. As you can imagine, these animals from those primarily Bedouin cultures were raised as practically members of the family. They're extremely intelligent animals. They're very loyal. They're very, um, how should I put this? I don't want to be accused of anthropomorphism, but um, they did become attached to their owners and their owners to them. And in addition to which, all of these camels were raised to obey instructions that were in different languages. So I would say that one of the primary reasons that the Camel Corps failed was simply because there was a, a cultural and language difference in terms of how American soldiers viewed the camels and how the camels could respond to them. I would also say that there is such a thing uh, then as now as the horse lobby who had no interest in seeing the, the camels thrive and be uh, incorporated as the primary pack animal. And of course, the camels were excellent in terms of moving across the desert and moving men and equipment. They were not seen as particularly effective in terms of any sort of aggressive, warlike maneuvers or being able to follow the commands that are necessary for an animal to have like a horse in order to obey their rider to do what needs to be done on the field of battle. So between the interruption of the Civil War and those other factors, there was a lack of interest in continuing to use the camels, which of course is a natural segue into the introduction of the topic as to why camels are so important to Benicia and to the museum. Yes, yeah, so I believe the end of the Camel Corps occurred with the outbreak of the Civil War and lack of union in, uh, interest in continuing the experiment. So they decided to auction off the rest of their camels. And the camel barns here in Benicia provided part of the stabling for those camels. So the barns here, in effect, were the end of the Camel Corps and the camels uh, for military use. That's correct. There is this urban myth that the camels were stabled inside the structures. That's not actually true. Uh, they were basically kept outside, as the camels were used to, to, uh, to doing. But yes, they were auctioned off here as being surplus to requirements. And I believe this was in 1864. That's correct. And um, a lot of people wonder what happened to the camels once they were auctioned off. There were several buyers. Some of those camels actually were taken to the silver mines in Nevada and used there. Others were sold to a circus. Uh, others were bought by individuals. I have read and have heard that a lot of the camels were actually 
let loose in the desert eventually, and that as late as 1970, there were some descendants of those original camels that were seen. But of course, I don't believe that anybody has seen any camels <laughs> running free <laughs> in the southwestern deserts recently. But if they have, we'd be delighted to hear all about it. And meanwhile, be um, our pleasure when we reopen to have people come to the museum and hear more about our, our Camel Corps story. Well, thank you so much. Looks like we're out of time today. Thanks for listening. Big thanks to Ms. Duart for exploring this topic with me. Tune in next time for our discussion on Manifest Destiny and the United States expansion west. For now, you can check the museum website archives online at www.benishahistoricalmuseum.org for podcasts, images, and narratives, and be sure to visit the museum at 2060 Camel Road when it reopens. If you wish, donate online, and be sure to like us on Facebook. Remember, the history of California is written in the story of Benicia.